Hello and welcome. Is your business your mission and your mission your business? If yes, you found your tribe. Whether you feel like it or not, you are avant-garde, going your own way, making your own path, doing it like no one has done before. And the answers to the challenges you're facing aren't in a book. My friend, you are not alone. This is the Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Trisha Bailey, a mission-minded serial entrepreneur and traveler. My purpose on this earth is to use my authenticity and passion to equip and empower social entrepreneurs to live in their highest calling, feeling freedom, fulfillment, and security, and inspiring others to do the same. Join me for stories, tips, and tricks for taking avant-garde inspired action in your business so that you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. I believe it doesn't have to be hard to be right. Welcome to episode 14 of the Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Podcast. I am so glad that you're here with me today. This episode is a primer on three types of people in a social enterprise. Across the globe, social entrepreneurs want to know how to better communicate with their teams. And some of the challenges are cultural, but some of them, uh, some of it really just involves understanding a single universal business principle. And that single business principle is what we are talking about today. Now, before we get into this episode, I have a very important announcement. Save the date for Tuesday, August 2nd at 12 GMT. I am hosting a live workshop. Now, this will be the second time I've done this. It's all about uh, five mindset pitfalls to avoid in social entrepreneurship. But this one has been revamped, and I also give you more time for thinking and creating and working during the workshop. And I really hope you can join. I'm going to put the registration link in the show notes. And if you have any questions, you can always send me a message on LinkedIn or send me an email as well, trishabaileyphd.com. So now let's get into this episode. So let's face it, whether you're a team of one or a team of 12, you have a lot of different stakeholders as a social entrepreneur. In fact, there are two South African professors who research a lot on social enterprises, and they say that a social enterprise can have up to 10 stakeholder groupings, depending on where they fall in the profit to nonprofit spectrum. 10, 10 groups. (laughs) So besides your internal team, meaning your managers and your beneficiaries and your staff and all the people who are directly involved in your organization, that you have to keep things afloat, you also have other people to contend with as well. So for this reason, it's really important to understand some of the fundamentals of humans. And in doing so, with some of the principles I'm going to teach you today, you'll recognize these characteristics in people outside your organization, your other stakeholders as well. And I think it's going to be really impactful for you. So when we understand this human behavior and have a little bit better insight into it, It makes us more effective communicators, both inside and outside our organization. And it also really helps how you feel inside about things. Because when you understand that 
why someone might be behaving in a certain way. It really can kind of smooth the path for you and maybe give you a little bit more grace and forgiveness and tolerance for that person. And even even for yourself, when you find yourself um, working in areas that aren't necessarily your gifting. So in this episode, we will not get into all the dimensions of culture or the details of multicultural differences. I may touch on some of them as a natural part of the conversation, but there's certainly a lot of difference between individualistic and collective cultures, matriarchal and patriarchal societies, and the degree of risk that cultures either desire or tolerate. And that's a whole course in itself. Might do a podcast episode, just a a quick little thing on that in the future. But for now, this episode will be based on a universal business principle with a few caveats specifically for social entrepreneurs versus traditional businesses or full nonprofits. Now, you know that I am passionate about helping you cut through the mire of useless business books. If there is one business book you were ever to read cover to cover, it should be this one. It's called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. The E-Myth is so profound that we have two copies of it in my home. My husband is, uh, he is a successful business owner and was the founder of a tech startup. And he essentially lived by it. And though we didn't get together until a few years ago, so have I. And when I talked to him about doing this episode, we both agreed that so many of the principles are so ingrained in us from the EMF that we forgot there was ever a time when we didn't know them. Meaning it feels like we've known and lived them forever, but we didn't. We learned and implemented them over time. And that's made all the difference for our professional lives. So as I share this episode, I'm referring back to the E-Myth and also the E-Myth Mastery, which is the second book that Michael Gerber wrote, which has basically been my business Bible, but I'm going off rote knowledge or, you know, stuff that's basically in my heart. I haven't actually looked at the book in preparing for this episode. So this is all just stuff that's, that's kind of in the back of my brain. And so listening to or watching this episode on YouTube is no substitute for reading the e-myth yourself, but this will give you a primer on people that will help you to be a more effective leader and communicator. So let's get into it. According to Michael Gerber, there are three types of people in an organization, and this applies to all business organizations. There's the entrepreneur, the manager, and the technician. So first, the entrepreneur is the visionary. Second, the manager is the organizer or coordinator. And third, the technician is the doer, the person who does the thing that makes your business run. And each of us has kind of a most natural calling or gifting. And I would say that morphing or evolving from one to the other is possible. However, when we are put under pressure, we typically revert to the role that is our most natural calling or gifting. And we can talk more about that later. But the reason why having an awareness of these three types of people is critical is that it will help you to more readily first identify a gifting in someone without giving them a personality quiz, which is fun and highly informative, but not always appropriate or affordable. Two, it will help you fill in the holes in your organization faster with the right person, saving lots of time 
energy, money, and upset. And three, it will also help you to more readily understand yourself and feel freedom to operate in your natural gifting and delegate non-natural tasks to people with other giftings. So let's talk about each a little more in depth. And I'm going to give my interpretation of the three and then a few variations of each or subtypes specific to social enterprise. So number one, the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur is the visionary, and this is the person that sets the vision for the organization. This is likely you or your business partner. And in my experience, there are two types of entrepreneurs, catalysts and collaborators. Now, these are my descriptions based on practical experience, and both collaborators and catalysts are highly valuable types of entrepreneurs, but they're just different. So don't get hung up on the names. I know that especially catalyst is used a lot in social enterprise, but I had to make a distinction. And when I make my notes and when I record these podcasts and videos, I'm operating in my spirit. So, you know, from what I hear in my spirit. So really, I just try to go go with what I'm hearing. So these are the names that came to mind. So first, let's talk about catalysts. Catalysts have a huge vision. And with the right manager or business partner, they can be catalysts for change. And I mean a big change. Their fire rarely burns out. However, they it's kind of rare that they actually do a lot themselves as far as the tasks. They tend to talk a lot and they are often, you know, their tone is a little bit more loud and more boisterous. And that is wonderful. And left alone, in my experience, they'll talk a lot and not get a whole lot done because there's a lot happening in their head. But with the right team, especially the right manager to coordinate, to figure out how to make things happen, their vision can become a reality and just set their trajectory of a new future for other people. I see catalysts more in traditional business or in well-established social enterprises, more so than in startups and new or mid-range social enterprises. And the reason is that sometimes it takes a figurehead or a big personality with a big vision to get an organization to the next level. And in the startup or new or mid-range social enterprise, a catalyst, they can burn so hot with all of their ideas that they can actually burn everyone else around them because they either can't or won't do a lot of the tasks themselves. Now, The second type of entrepreneur is what I call a collaborator. Collaborators, on the other hand, they have a vision, but are highly capable of doing things on their own. Collaborators are skilled communicators, pulling people into their vision and attracting people who have hidden desire for a similar vision. Notice I said hidden vision because a lot of us have these desires, but it's not until someone kind of pulls us in that we really feel brave enough to let them come to the surface. So collaborators have this gift, but often they don't necessarily desire to lead from the front. They lead more from the side or behind, unlike catalysts who very much lead from the front. Now, the hangup of collaborators, collaborative entrepreneurs, is that they can do it all themselves. And sometimes they're so far ahead that they have to go back several steps to bring others in or they forget 
to go back a few other steps and bring others in. So they are, you know, a couple miles ahead and their team is lagging behind. And then sometimes people can lose interest because they're not, they don't really feel like they understand what's going on or have a part. It's easy for collaborators to get worn down in all the tasks. And unlike catalysts, their fire can burn out. And I'm going to go out of limb here. I'm taking a risk and saying that this is about 90% of you. <laughs> You're probably 1% of the talent in the world. So you are extremely rare. It's just that you're all here and you're secretly seeking the answers yourselves. So you can do more because you can't find anyone else who can either do it or will stick with it to completion. So if this is you, relax, you are among friends. Okay, so let's talk about manager, the manager. So the manager is the organizer, uh, sorry, the organizer or the coordinator in your organization. The manager can see the vision of the entrepreneur and they're often good leaders, really in tune with people in the organization. And they're typically organized and somewhat linear thinkers, meaning they kind of do things step by step. They can see, you know, they can have the gift of taking this mess and getting it organized and moving in a new direction. More than once, a new manager has taken a business that was doomed to failure and turned it around. And there are gobs of stories about this in business. None are coming to mind, but I know that there are many. In my experience, there are two types of managers. I'm going to call them your clone and the cleaner. And these are my descriptions based on practical experience. Again, both, they are highly valuable. They're just different. Now, unlike the names of the two entrepreneurs, Catalyst and Collaborator, these two names, your clone and the cleaner, are quite telling. So let's talk about your clone first. So a clone is basically a manager who is a duplicate of you. How many times have you thought, I wish I had a clone? Someone who could just be me so I could be in two different places and do two different things at once. As a collaborator entrepreneur, you've likely coordinated a lot of people, put some or maybe a lot of systems in place and have started generating revenue, maybe even just a little bit some. You get to the point in business where all you really need is someone to just follow your instructions exactly to implement the plans that you've put in place to run the system. It's not easy finding a clone, but it's possible that your clone is already in your organization. And this is where culture comes into play. So if your social enterprise is in a patriarchal society, such as many Asian countries where leadership is very much top-down, directions followed, no one wants to disappoint the leader, it is possible to find someone in your, who's already in your organization that can step up to your role, uh, step up to the role as your clone. With your clone manager, you'll want to spend a lot of time with them up front. If procedures aren't written in all the languages of all the people in your organization, that will be the first task that you give them. And this is also where gender comes into play as well. In patriarchal societies, if you're a woman, your clone is likely a woman, not a man. And this is because typically the level of respect is just not there, or it might be there initially, but it won't last. If you're a man, your clone is likely a man, not a woman. 
in now in matriarchal societies such as Nigeria and Ghana, gender is really not as relevant because respect is not quite as linear and gender-based. And gender is also not as much of an issue in countries with well-established democracies such as Canada, the U.S., Australia, New Zealand, and a good part of Europe. So for social enterprises in these nations, your clone could be a man or woman, regardless of your gender. Let's talk about your cleaner next. And when I say cleaner, I don't mean someone who's cleaner than another person. I mean the cleaner, the one who cleans up the messes. A cleaner is a manager who has his or her own ideas of how to take your vision and make it a reality. With cleaners, it is critical to be open-minded about their ideas. You can expect them to bring you a well-thought-out plan, and when they do, you focus on the positives of their plan to edify them. With the negatives, you want to gently explain how it could cause an issue and offer solutions or alternatives versus just, you know, shooting it down completely. Give them room to fail. Um, failure is often the next best step towards success. So if you give them boundaries, kind of like on a mountain road with guardrails to work in, that's really empowering for a manager who has a, is a cleaner because that's really how they run best because they have their ideas, but they need to know that you trust them and that you're giving them some latitude, but also that they're not going to completely run off the mountain. Because if they were okay with completely running off the mountain, that would make them an entrepreneur. (laughs) So in front of your team, it's really important to give them credit as a manager for the victories as much as possible. In collective cultures, I know that it's really about the group versus the one, but still it is possible to show how the organization has grown because of maybe the seed planted by the manager. So it's not as if you have to give the manager credit for the whole success, but if you can somehow just give them credit for planting the seed or having a small role in it, that really goes, really goes a long way. Now, when there are challenges or failures, buffer them in front of your team. Show your support and confidence and focus on the next step forward and allow the manager to share the plan with the team. So back to culture, you are much more likely to find a natural cleaner type manager in an individualistic nation such as Australia. This is probably not going to be as common in in some countries, especially in Asia, some in Africa, where people are not very comfortable stepping out of bounds or stepping out of kind of their known or perceived place in society. When it comes to managers, culture really does play a huge role. And certainly, it plays the most role than any of the three in the organization. And besides the entrepreneur who establishes the vision for the organization, the manager, that is your most critical role. He or she can break your organization or they can make it. And a caveat to with the right manager, the entrepreneur can become almost obsolete. Now, depending on where you are in your evolution and maturity as an entrepreneur, this can either be really good or really bad. It's bad if you're not ready to let go of your social enterprise or you get usurped by a manager with a big or strong personality. 
It's good, though, if you have an expanded vision for your social enterprise or a vision for a new venture, and you really get to um, put your focus on that and um, your social enterprise can still function well without your daily influence. So as a leader, we always want to be, and I say, quote, working ourselves out of a job by training others up. However, it really takes a mature entrepreneur and a well-established social enterprise for this to work. Number three, let's talk about the technicians. Technician, this is a very broad term describing the people in your organization who actually do all the things that make it what it is. And these are the people who are making the jewelry and the saris, raking the coffee beans, running machines, and sewing bags and balls. And another name for a technician might be craftsman, uh, mechanic, seamstress, barista, carpenter, the list just kind of goes on. So likely these are the beneficiaries that you're serving by training and giving them job opportunities. And without them, your social enterprise doesn't exist, nor does it have a reason for existing. So there are those, though, who know they are technicians and love it, and those who do not love it. So I call these known techs and not me techs. So tech is short for technician. And when I say known, this means they know they are. And when I say not me, this means they're like, not me, I'm not that. So in a social enterprise, especially in disadvantaged communities, I'd say that most of the technicians are known techs, meaning they are so happy to have an opportunity to care for themselves and for their own families. They're grateful. Most days they come to work happy, barring any major family crisis. They like repetition. Stability, structure, leadership, and accountability is really good for their soul and their well-being. And you and your manager's edification and encouragement is really good for them and builds them up. You know, when someone has been told they're no good for their whole lives, it really takes a strong, loving, and patient leader to build up their confidence and to show them that they can do it, that they are valuable, that they are necessary. And, um, you know, one or more of these known techs, they may actually become the next manager or part of a new um, mid-level management that you create. So this could be someone who oversees quality control, or it could be someone who formally or maybe even informally checks in um, on the emotional and spiritual health of the younger people in your organization. Now, in some cases, there are the not me techs. Now, these are people who are doers in the organization, but feel that they are destined for more almost to the point of entitlement. So we're talking about an unhealthy, we're not talking about people who believe in themselves because that's a good thing, but we're talking about people who believe almost to the point of being entitled, like they deserve it. And even if they have no experience, they have a bad attitude all that kind of stuff. So I admit if this happens in social enterprise, I have been more shielded from it. I haven't talked to many of you who have this. 
But this is certainly common in places like America, especially in traditional business. It's common for a technician to look at the boss and say, well, why am I making money for him when I can just make it for myself? So often they're kind of hot-headed, meaning they have a bad temper, erratic behavior. It may or may not be caused by a chemical imbalance in their brain or drug or alcohol use. If you have people like this in your social enterprise, the not me text, you can do one of three things. Number one, you can give them the opportunity to prove themselves by giving them a project that they can't break beyond your ability to repair it. And that way, number one, if they fail, they'll be humbled and they'll be more content as a tech or they'll be embarrassed and move on. And number two, if they succeed, then perhaps you can gradually give them, you know, more and more responsibility, perhaps even some sort of leadership title. Who knows? Maybe they, maybe they are a manager in the making. Number two, you can listen to them grumble. They will never stop pretty much. And often this carries over into the other staff because you know people talk. And that is another universal thing too. People talk. So this, if they're grumbling, it does carry over. Or number three, you can let them go. Assuming the labor laws in your country allow it, this is a tricky one. So this is something, you know, that you really have to look into. So in my experience, uh, not me tech, they will never be happy. Usually there are underlying issues, spiritual, emotional, or otherwise. And in some cases, you know, you may, because in social enterprise, we are, what are we doing? We are helping broken people. So you may feel called or compelled by your spirit to help them. And, you know, in social enterprise, this is often the case. So maybe it's not you, but one of your managers or perhaps another informal leader. Either way, the not me tech will be a labor of love that may or may not do damage to the culture of your social enterprise. But the good news is you get to decide. Why? Because it's your social enterprise. Okay. My friends, that's a wrap on the three types of people in a social enterprise, each with two subtypes. Again, the three types, the entrepreneur, the manager, and the technician are based on Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth. The two subtypes of each are based on my experience working with social enterprise and business in general. For the record, in my life, I have been the following. I have been a known tech. I have been the cleaner manager and the collaborator entrepreneur. So I'm curious, what's your journey been? Where are you now? And where do you want to get to? Send me a message on LinkedIn and let me know. Thanks for listening to this episode of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I hope you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. If you enjoyed what you heard, share it with a friend. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it here on your podcast player. Questions, comments, or feedback? Connect with me directly at trishabaileyphd.com or on social at trishabaileyphd. Now, you go and get back to making the world a better place. I'll see you back here soon.